the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. We do not throw what is holy before dogs or pigs because they will turn and tear you to pieces sooner or later. Hallowed be thy name. We hallow rather than waste his name. The sixth element in the profile of the real deal is this. The real deal, the true Christian, the faithful Christian, the humble and reverent Christ follower is obedient, not complacent. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues our walk through the Sermon on the Mount with his successful Kingdom Living teaching series. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. And we speak about our God in a humble and serious way. It's not okay to do whatever we want. Christian liberty isn't living the way you want, free from the law. It's being free from sin. And as Christ's servants, it is our responsibility to be reverent to honor him with our lips in our lives. And so we do not give to dogs what is holy, and we do not throw our pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear us apart. When I used to go home and visit friends and family on the East Coast, I had some people in, in those circles who would ask me a theological question so that they could pounce afterwards. And finally my wife goes, what are you doing that for? They don't care. It's just entertainment for them. So when somebody says to you around the dinner table, why this, this, and this? Say, that's a great question. Why don't we meet tomorrow, bring a Bible, and we'll talk about it over coffee? You know what happened when I did that? Nobody took me up on my offer. Why? Because they didn't care. All I was doing was casting my pearls before swine. And that's why it says in Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. When it says, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, 
we live our lives in a way that indicates we take him seriously, that we revere him, that we honor him. We live our lives in humility, saying, not what I will, Lord, but what you will. And that is the profile of the real deal. That's why it says in Philippians 2, 12, and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation, live out your salvation, live out your sanctification with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. We understand that we are servants, that we are slaves, and that we serve God. And we don't get to play games with his name. We don't get to cut ourselves slack. I know it sounds tough, but that's the way it is. You can be a slave to Satan in this world, or you can be a slave to God. But as the great theologian and songwriter once said, Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody, right? 1 Peter 1, 17 through 19. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, we live in a secular culture where many times well-intended Christians try to be hip or relevant by being irreverent, but that's not worship. And our lives are to be worship. And what is worship? We've talked about this before. Conforming your will to the word of God. Conforming your life to the word of God. We're not silly. We're not wasteful. You know, I watched, I watched, a, th- I watched a video of a guy speaking before the city council. He thought he was representing Christ and he was representing himself. And he got out there and he made a fool out of himself. And in so doing, he took God's name in vain. And those people just looked at him like he was crazy because he acted like he was crazy. He wasn't cute and he wasn't funny. You know, and all he did was confirm for them that people who believe in Christ must have a screw loose or shouldn't be taken seriously. We are reverent. We make the most of every opportunity. We do not throw what is holy before dogs or pigs because they will turn and tear you to pieces sooner or later. Hallowed be thy name. We hallow rather than waste his name. The sixth element in the profile of the real deal is this. The real deal, the true Christian, the faithful Christian, the humble and reverent Christ follower is obedient, not complacent. Obedient, not complacent. That's the profile. The question is, is it mine and is it yours? Where do we see this? Verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, enter through by the narrow gate. It's a command. It's an exhortation. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Obedience is difficult. In the Old Testament, he says, I desire obedience and not sacrifice. He wants the heart, and the heart drives the life. If you are poor in spirit, if you are grieving over sin, if you are hungering and thirsting after what God requires of you because of what he's done for you, Again, this is about living saved, not finding salvation. This is about living out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you are living saved, you're going to stand for Christ. You're going to revere him. You're going to honor him. And that is the most difficult path. That is the narrow gate. And in the Greek, it talks about the tight gate that you've got to squeeze through. You know, it's easy to swim with the current of the culture. And I'm reminded that the symbol of Christianity is a fish. And schools of fish swim together. 
But we're not part of the school that is sold out to the culture. We're not part of the school that has compromised its integrity. And so we swim against the current of the culture. And that's tough. It's hard. It's difficult. It's unpopular. It says the road that leads to destruction is well populated. Why? Because it's popular. It's easy. It's easy to go with the crowd. It's hard to take a stand in a humble way. You know, there are two crowds. Both crowds are noisy. You can look at the political landscape today. Everybody's yelling at each extreme. You know, you can be an angry, angry, angry fundamentalist over here and make a lot of noise and everybody's going to give you the amen chorus. Or you can be an unorthodox, crazy person over here and the majority of the people in the culture are going to give you the amen here. Or you can stand on the biblical center line of the highway, of the freeway that leads to Christ and stand for him. And you're not going to fit in with these two crowds over here. You're going to be different. That's why we call it successful kingdom living, living right side up in an upside down world because the world is upside down. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And we're living in a most difficult, complex, and crazy time that we could imagine. And it's not easy. It's not easy to grieve for the sin of others rather than to condemn them. It's not easy to show self-control when somebody tries to humiliate you publicly. It's not easy to look at yourself in a generation that sees itself as special and see yourself as not special. It's not easy to do that. It's hard. But you know what? Difficult doesn't mean impossible. And God never gives us a task that he doesn't enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of his word to do. And so we can't be afraid of being called narrow. We have to be focused. We have to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And obedience is the key trait here. You're faithful to the word of God, the will of God. You can only know God's will objectively, clearly through his word. Not through your emotions, not through your feelings, not through the dreams you have at night if you've had too much Coke, popcorn, and pizza before you went to bed. The word of God. And the word of God defines the path for us. And that's hard. It's a hard, hard thing to do. But this obedience is an essential trait. We're obedient not because of some drudgery or we're some legalist weighted down with the Mosaic law. Our obedience is driven by a loyal love for the one who sent his one and only son to die for us. It is a response. It is an act of worship, an act of love. And it's an essential trait. Jesus, again, rephrasing what he said here about entering through the narrow gate in Luke 6, 46 through 49 in another context says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words does them. And I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the, stor- and the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had, been bu- it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, it immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great. Jesus says in Matthew you know, 7, 24 to, t- to 27, The one who hears my words and does them is like the one who built his house upon the rock. The one who doesn't, he's a wise man or a wise woman. The one who hears these words and doesn't do them is like the fool who built their house upon the sand. Our obedience is predicated on the word of God, on our love for God, on our faithfulness to God. And it is an act of worship. And it sets us apart because we do differently. We live differently. We think differently. And we can't call him Lord and live a life of disobedience. We are obedient, not complacent. Christianity isn't one more extracurricular activity on the list that if we get around to it, we get around to it. Christianity is a relationship with the only God that is, that ever has been, and that ever will be. And he's God and we're not and we obey him. 
Because his commandments are not burdensome. It's part of being faithful. It's part of being fearless. It's part of being focused. It's part of being reverent. There's just no way around it. You can't call him Lord and do what you want, not what he wants. You can't find yourself saying, your kingdom come, your will be done so long as it's convenient. You have to say, not what I will, but what you will, Father. And that's why Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we know that his commandments are not burdensome. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. All of these traits build upon one another, which brings us to our seventh trait. And the seventh trait is this. We are, as Christians, as Christ followers, if we take our faith seriously and our Lord seriously, we are discerning rather than naive. We are discerning rather than naive. Now, this balances out, judge not, lest you be judged, right? And this is, you know, and where do we, what do we see here? Look at 7, 15 through 18. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. You will evaluate them. You will judge them by what they do. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? This is a rhetorical, these are rhetorical questions. And the answer is no. So, in conclusion, verse 17, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Those who would uh, abuse or stretch out Matthew 7, 1 and say, well, who are we to judge have to contend with this verse. We're commanded to. We're not to be naive. We're not to be foolish. We're to be careful. What this command is a call to discernment. In verse 18, it's a call to common sense. And in verse 19, we see this. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, verse 20, you will recognize them by their fruits. Today, many well-meaning Christians want to believe that everybody's going to heaven. A football player, a professional athlete points to the sky after he scores a point. A celebrity talks about God. A homeless person holds up a sign that says, God bless. And we want to believe them into the kingdom, even though they bear no fruit to indicate otherwise. Today's church is so seemingly willfully undiscerning and negligently naive. And yet we see this warning about false prophets and false believers, wolves in sheep's clothing. And this has always been the challenge of the church. It just didn't start with us. It's always been that way. You go back to the first century A.D. and Jude 4 and we read this. Certain people crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny the only master and Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be discerning. We have to be careful. We have to be wise as serpents, Jesus says, and gentle as doves. That's where the humility comes in. Jesus warned in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 24, For false Christ and prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. We're not to wander through this world naively calling everybody a Christian who says the name of Jesus. We're to be careful. You know, as a church, we have the leader-teacher profile because we want to make certain that the people who are in positions of leadership and authority, people who are teaching, people who are leading ministries, understand what we believe and understand uh, where they fit in and just won't go teach any old thing. We want the Bible taught. Second Peter 2 says this in verse 1, But false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. 
bringing upon themselves destruction. We live in an era where we're warm and fuzzy and we just want to love on people and assume that doing that will change everything. But really, salvation is a work of God. Sanctification is the work of God. And we have to be careful. Discernment is a necessity. It is part of the profile. We do not, as Christians, leave our brains at the altar or leave them at home. 20 years in a resort business, managing resorts, I used to always be amazed at how people, when they go on vacation, would leave their brains at home. And I would get a call from security, or the EMTs were on the way. I remember my favorite one, it was terrible. We came in, and I, w- I went to the room with the director. The general manager has to go to the room, you know. And there's a person sitting on the bed holding a towel on their leg, and they're bleeding. And the security director's with me, and the EMTs are there. I said, what happened? They said, well, we had been on a hike, and we we're going to open a bag of peanuts. So I took the bag, and I cut it open with my Swiss Army knife. I was like, blah, 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 you know. I spent years in convention hotels. You know what the most common injury in a convention hotel is? You probably think it's a trip and a fall, right? You know what it is? It's somebody touching up a wrinkle in their garment while they're wearing it with their iron. You go to the room. The wife's standing there. The husband's standing, not sitting, because he had a wrinkle in his back pocket, and she ironed it for him, okay? (laughs) Discernment, judgment. This is no... If you start watching in the hotels that you stay in, you see the steam irons now that blow steam rather than those condit press. It affects your liability rates, you know. And I've been out of this for like 18 years, so I don't know what they're doing now. But I used to marvel at the kind of injury. You, you know, you think trip and fall, this, that, and the other. No, it's, it's all self-inflicted. And that's what happens in the church of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we fail to exercise discernment and we get, we get burned. Let's move on to the last one, the eighth profile. The eighth trait in the profile of the real deal. And that is this. Real Christians are authentic, not casual, not fake. Where do we see that? We see that in verses 21 to 23. Now, I preached this passage by itself as a sermon two years ago, but we're coming back through here, and this is not a standalone. It's part of a larger, larger treatise, but the uh, same applies. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I said this a moment ago. I alluded to this a moment ago. This is key here in the profile of of the real deal believer. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You don't watch it on TV. You don't get to armchair quarterback. Christianity is not something you do. It's what you are. And you are real. And you are known by the fruit you bear. You do the will of the Father. Not to be saved, to live saved. I'm reminded that Jesus says here, many people will have been involved in religious activity and find themselves excluded from the kingdom of heaven by Jesus. He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. We never had a connection. Yeah, you went to church. Yeah, you did this. Yeah, you did that. You did all these things. This was all outward. This wasn't born out of love. It was either born out of a tradition or it was born out of fitting in. It was born out of joining a sanctified social club. But what does he say in verse 21? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who characteristically, habitually, albeit imperfectly, does the will of my Father. Not my will, Father, but your will. The one who is committed to the one who sent his son to die for them. You have to be all in. The way is narrow. It's tight. It's hard. But you have to be, you have to really, really, really love Jesus more than anything else in the world. You have to be habitually faithful to his call. 
You have to be characteristically in pursuit of God's will. We're not talking about sinless perfection here. You know, the Christian life is sort of like the stock market. It's volatile, but it trends upward because spiritual growth is a process and not an event. And we are fallen creatures whose frames are but dust. But what you see here is you are faithfully pursuing God's will. You do it without fear in the sense of you're not worried about what people think. You're worried about what pleases God. And you are focused. You are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And you are humble because you know just as much as you stumble, other people do too. And you are reverent. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. You're discerning. You're making the hard decisions. And that makes you authentic. Christians aren't perfect. They're just saved. Christians don't know everything, but they do hopefully know what the Word of God says, and they live their lives in observance of it. They enter by the narrow gate. They try to do the will of the Father. They are authentic, not shallow. They are the real deal. And the question is, as we look at these attributes, let me just run through them all real quick here. We are faithful, not attempting to serve two masters. We are fearless. We have trusted Christ and we trust him for the big things. We abide in Christ. We keep his word. We let him do the heavy lifting. We are focused, putting his kingdom and his righteousness first. We are humble, not hypocritical. We, put, we look at ourselves before we are quick to judge others. We are reverent rather than wasteful. We do not live a life that renders our witness and our testimony irrelevant. We are obedient rather than complacent. We try to do the right thing no matter what the cost is. We are discerning rather than clueless. We are wise as serpents and gentle as doves, and we are authentic rather than fake. Take this profile and let it be the mirror that you look into. Evaluate yourself before you evaluate others. And ask yourself, is this me? Is this me typically? I'm not saying every day perfectly, right? I'm not calling you to some sort of legalistic drudgery. I'm calling you to live out your faith with a loyal love as Jesus has described in the Sermon on the Mount. Use this profile as a mirror in which to consider your own reflection of Christ rather than a set of binoculars to critique others. Let's set our own house in order before we try to tear somebody else's down. Now, I try to give you resources periodically out there when you go out through those doors on those three tables are a resource about the characteristic of genuine saving faith. You may find it helpful. But in the meantime, I want you to think about where you stand with God. I want you to think about, is he the priority? Is Jesus Christ the priority? Is the one who came from heaven to earth, to the cross, to the grave, and resurrected to demonstrate to you that you could trust in him, is he your priority? If he is, these traits will apply to your life characteristically. Not perfectly, not each and every second of each and every day. But you'll be striving for these things as you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. And you and I, if we want to impact this community out there for Christ, we have to stand out, not fit in. We have to look different. We have to love different. We have to be different. We have to live and love and be like this profile. Let's pray. Father, you know our frames are but dust, Lord. You know our coming and going. You know our lying down and our standing up. You know our words from afar before they're even on our tongue. You know our thoughts, Lord. You know how weak we are, but we know how great and powerful you are. We know that you have given us the spirit who dwells us to enable us to do things in him that we could not do in our flesh. Your word to inform our thinking and order our thoughts and steps. And your church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage us to stimulate us to love and to good works, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. 
Lord, help us to be more like Christ and less like ourselves. Help us, Lord, to look into your word and not to forget what we see and to pursue the changes that we need to make for your glory, for your honor, for the good of others and for our own growth. And Father, if there's any here who do not know you but just know about you, if you're some far-off abstract being that they can't wrap their minds around, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would surrender to your love, to your help, to your hope, to your healing, to your redemption. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. If you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.